0: your Bibles while you're standing to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. This time we're going to dismiss our bridge kids, those students, um, elementary age students, K through 5. We're going to d- dismiss you now. Your teachers are waiting for you at the back. We're continuing Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We'll begin at verse number 10. And we'll go through chapter 9, verse uh, something, 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, beginning with verse number 10. Um, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of God's Holy Word. Here's, here's what we're going to do. Y'all going to help me save my voice a little bit. I'll read the even, so 10, 12, 14, 16, 2, 4, 6, 8. I'll read those. You'll read the odd. If you don't have the English Standard Version of God's Holy Word, we have it here on the screen. So I'll read 10. You'll read 11. I'll read 12. You'll read 13. If there's any words in here that are hard, I'll help you, or we'll just mess them up together. Here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse number 10, then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. Though so a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know, here it is, that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not. There is a vanity that takes place on earth. That there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. when I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep But all this I lay to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. the living know that they will die, but the dead they don't know nothing. <laughs> and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate, hate and their envy have already perished. And forever they have no more share in all that is done under the I thought I was supposed to be reading even. All right, y'all read seven. Go. Eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white and let not oil be lacking on your head. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. For a man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time, when it suddenly falls upon them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have your seat. In a small town outside of San Antonio, Texas, called Sutherland Springs, small church had gathered to worship the Lord our God, to give him the glory, the honor and praise that is due his name. Not knowing that on that day, for 26 individuals, that would be the last day on the earth. In the church, The place that we seek refuge. A place that seems safe. 26 people are murdered in the church. A couple of years ago, Emmanuel, a Methodist Church in the Carolinas. A small group of people gathered to study God's Word and pray. They didn't bother anybody, they just wanted to pray, read God's Word, and hear God's man explain God's Word. Only for a confessed white supremacist to come into this church and gun down nine individuals in the church. Place that we assume and we take for granted that it's safe and secure. This is in the church. The place that we call God's house. In God's house, God's people are murdered evil, suffering, right here in these United States of America on September 11, 2001, people went to work, did what they normally do, not bothering anybody, only for thousands of lives to be lost because of the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center. The question that you have to ask about the tragedy in Sutherland Springs, the tragedy of Mother Emanuel, the tragedy of the World Trade Center, and all the evil around us is this question. If God is good, then why is there evil and suffering? If God is good, why is there evil and suffering? If God is good, why would he let 26 of his own people be murdered to death in the house of God? If God is good, why do the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper? If God is good, why did my loved one get stage four cancer? If God is good, why is it that the people who are saved, that show up to church every Sunday, that give regularly, that serve in ministry, that serve the homeless, that go and visit the prisoners, why is it that evil comes upon us? And today, that's what the preacher wants to address. He starts out by saying, I saw something that was vanity. He says, the first thing that I saw, number one, I saw the success of the wicked. The first thing he says is, I saw the success of the wicked. And in His words and in his tone, you hear the preacher's frustration by the fact that the wicked prosper. Here's how he opens. He says, I saw them buried. In other words, they're dead. You would think that for the righteous man, the wise man, he's like, that's what they get. They got what they deserve. He said the only problem is that while they were on the earth, they had free access to the temple. They went, the, the wicked went in and out of the temple. And they boasted about their wickedness and, and their evil. Not only did they boast about it, but they were giving honor and praise by other people. For the preacher, this reality is an enigma. It it, it is puzzling, mysterious. It's puzzling, it's frustrating, and it's confusing. This went against all the preacher's wisdom, philosophy, and theology. And he said, what was even more vain, Is that even though the wicked were dead, when they were here on earth, they did not receive the punishment they deserved immediately. their, Their punishment was not given out in an expeditious manner. And this failure, he says, to mete out punishment immediately only encourages more evil feel this preacher's frustration and confusion? Many people would be tempted to live like the wicked since there would seem to be no consequence for their actions. However, the preacher arrived at a different co- conclusion. He, he, look at verse 12. He says though a sinner does evil, a hundred times and prolongs his life. Yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But, but it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. The preacher's solution to the problem of the prosperity of the wicked is I'm going to continue to fear God. Instead of joining the wicked in their evil, he says we should do the complete opposite of them. We should continue to worship God, continue to reverence God, continue to live holy lives before him. Why? Because justice delayed is not justice denied. Friends, there will be a day When the wicked will be judged for all of their evil and the righteous will be rewarded. Here's what the Hebrew writers had this, the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 9, verses 27 and 28 had to say. He says, it is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes judgment. So Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time you missed a good spot to take a lap around this place because Christ is coming back. And when he comes back the second time, the writer says he's not going to deal with sins, but he's going to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So friends, how are we then to live in a world where the wicked thrive and the righteous merely survive? He says, keep waiting for Christ to return because when Christ shall return, He will make all things right. I just wonder what the church would look like if we lived every day in light of the fact that we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. If we lived every day of every moment thinking, I'm going to have to give an account to my Savior, my Lord, my Master, my Judge, for everything I do, maybe I wouldn't lie. Ooh, y'all got quiet on me. Even the little white lie is still a very dark sin before a most holy God. If we lived every day in light of standing before the judgment seat, maybe we would love our wives better. Ouch. I'm preaching to myself right now. If we lived every day in light of the fact that we're going to stand before the judgment seat, maybe we would stop wasting our lives. Because God's going to say, how did you steward the time that I gave you? What would the church look like if we lived every day in light of the fact that we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Maybe we would be more faithful. The problem in the church is that we don't live in light of eternity. That's what Ecclesiastes is to help us with, to, to remind us that there is life after death after death. And the, the biggest thing, I've preached this before, but y'all didn't get it. The biggest thing that I want to help disciples, fully devoted followers of Christ to do, is to live every day with an eternal mindset. If we lived every day with an eternal mindset, we wouldn't make so so many short-sighted decisions. If we lived every day in light of that judgment seat, We would look for permanent success in temporary places. So he says, Yes, I know that there is evil and I know that there is suffering on the world, but don't join in the evil and the suffering because justice delayed is not justice not. Christ is going to make everything right, but it's going to happen in his own timing. Our job is to wait for him. Now, waiting does not mean do nothing. Mm hmm. Because a lot of times we talk about we waiting on God, but waiting on God doesn't mean you just sit on your blessed ass assurance and do nothing. That's <laughs> the first time that you put their head up. <laughs> waiting on God means I'm going to keep doing what God had me doing until my change comes. So he says, I saw, first of all, the success. The wicked, he says, This is vanity. Not only did he see the success of the wicked, but secondly, he says, Something else I saw that was vanity was I saw the suffering of the righteous. Look at the text, I didn't make it up. Verse 14, he says, There are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. And I said that this also also is vanity. The preacher, in other words, he says that there are good people who are treated as though they were wicked. There are wicked people who are treated as though they were good. Righteous people get what the wicked deserve, and wicked people get what the righteous deserve. This, too, was puzzling and frustrating for this preacher. Now, at this point, he's given us two sides of this problem. The wicked are successful, and the righteous suffer. Remember that the preacher says, around chapter 2, he says, I'm the wisest man to have ever lived. He may have not been the most humble. Just kidding. He says, I'm the wisest man to have ever lived. You would think that at this point, the wisest man to have ever lived would answer the question that we opened up with. If God is good, then why is there evil and suffering? Let's see what he does. Look at the text. His response, verse 15, and I commend joy. For man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. Notice, friends, that the primary response to the problem of evil and suffering is not to explain it. The preacher, he doesn't deny this reality that suffering and evil exist in a world made by a good God. But he teaches us that the wise thing to do is not, is to try not to figure it out. The wise response to the problem of evil and suffering is enjoy the moment. That's what the preacher says. Enjoy the present. Enjoy God's good gifts. Enjoy the life you have. Rather than despairing over evil and suffering, choose joy. The main reason, the the primary reason why people are atheists or become atheists is because they look for the answer to that question. If God is good, then why does evil and suffering exist? And because they cannot find the answer, they say, God must not be real. And he says to us in here today, this exists. We know evil and suffering exist and justice exists. But he says, rather than giving up on God, live in this unrevealed tension and enjoy what God has already given you. Here's why he'd rather us enjoy the moment, seize the day, rather than being fixated on answering that, this question. Look at verse 16 and 17. When I applied my heart to know wisdom, and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep, verse 17 Then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However hard you work in trying to find this answer, you will not find it out. And even though a wise man claims to know, he can't find it out. The preacher says to us that it is pointless trying to solve the problem of evil and suffering because we simply cannot know God's ways. It's a mystery that's hidden in God that he has not revealed to us. Our responsibility is to trust God in the dark. We don't like it. We are, we are people of the enlightenment. We are rational beings. This, everything, it has to make sense. And God says, when it comes to this issue, you're just going to have to trust me. God says, matter of fact, even if you try to understand it, your little itty-bitty brains <laughs> couldn't hold it. Attribute of God, he's infinite. We are finite. We are limited in our knowledge. In our comprehension. God is omniscient. He knows all. And we are trying, we are approaching this most holy, omniscient, all-knowing, comp- uh, comprehensive God. And God says, you can't understand it. Because here's how, I, well this is what he said in Isaiah. He says, my thoughts, are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Don't blame God because you can't figure him out. If God, if you, if we were to know as much as God, we would be equal to God. So I don't want, church, I wish I could give you the reason why evil and suffering exist in a world that God initially created as good. There are some things that God has revealed to us. There was a fall, sin into the world. Because of sin, there's suffering, evil, shame, guilt, all that other kind of stuff. But He didn't explain why everything happens. I wish I could give you that answer. But God says, I'm not going to reveal that to you. You're just going to have to trust me. Finally, the preacher's words to us to stop trying to solve a problem that God has not revealed to us and enjoy what he has already given you. He moves on. He moves from the success of the wicked and the suffering of the righteous. And he says, I now want you to rest in the sovereignty of God. Chapter 9. This topic continues on to chapter 9. The preacher comes to another conclusion, chapter 9, verse 1. He says, but all this I lay to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Ooh, you missed a good spot to do something. The hand of God, that phrase, refers to God's rule God's power the preacher's word to us is whatever happens God's still in control thank you Russ, thank you if I was in a Pentecostal church right now woo ain't that right Miss, Miss Veronica I'm not calling on you no more <clears throat> Friends, in a world where evil, evil and suffering exist, in a world where the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer, the preacher says, "We must remember that everything that happens is in God's hands. In other words, God is sovereign, God is in complete control. God does as He please, and nothing happens without His decree or His permission. Friends, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I don't know why the wicked are successful and the righteous suffer, but I trust the hand of God. God has revealed in his word, the one thing he has revealed about this issue is that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Friends, Whatever happens in this life is for God's glory and our good. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So really, the way to approach approach suffering is to ask God, How can I glorify you through my suffering? This takes maturity. God, how can I glorify you through my suffering? If the chief end of man, the reason we exist is to glorify God, that means everything that happens to us is for the glory of God. Come here, Jesus. Will you be a witness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you need, man? Jesus? Lazarus is sick. Your friend, the one you care about, he's sick and is dying. Jesus is like, okay. And he hangs out for a few more days. And Jesus tells his disciples, let's go see about Lazarus. He's sick. But I want you to know something about his sickness. This sickness that Lazarus has, It's not going to lead to death, but it's for the glory of God. And God, Lazarus has died, and Jesus goes to the grave where Lazarus is buried. He's been dead for four days, so now that they can't say that the spirit just hovered around him, and then one day it went back into him, now he came back to life. No, he made sure that everybody knew he was good and dead. And Jesus Went to the grave, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of that grave alive. And you do know why he had to say, Lazarus, come forth, right? Because if he had just said, come forth, then everybody who had died would have gotten up out of the grave. Because one of these old days, he's just going to say, come forth, and all the dead will rise. So he had to make sure the right person got up at the right time. So he said, Lazarus, come forth. And now people know that God has the power even over death. That's the glory of God. And now people will believe in this God that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die, was buried and rose on the third day. And if you believe, you will have everlasting life. That's the glory of God. I don't know what you are going through right now, but it is for God's glory. And so you ought to just rest in that That God be glorified in everything that I do. And I know some kind of way it's going to work out for good. There's no better place to be than in the hand of God. Charles Spurgeon, I'm going to let him preach real quick. Charles Spurgeon said that there is no attribute more comforting to the children of God than that of God's sovereignty. Under the most adverse circumstances and the most severe trials, they believe that sovereignty has ordained their afflictions, that sovereignty overrules them and that sovereignty will sanctify them. There is nothing for which the children ought more earnestly to contend than the doctrine of their master over all creation, the kingship of God over the works of his own hands, the throne of God and his right to sit upon that throne. It is God upon the throne that we love to preach. It is God upon the throne whom we trust. Friends, the sovereignty of God is a sweet pillow that you can lay your head on at night. Is in control. You know, that's why you ought to be, that really is why you ought to be able to sleep at night. Well, whatever happens, God is in, you, it's in your hands. Good night. <laughs> Knowing that God is completely in control ought to help you to worry less. I got a message I really want to preach to y'all one day. It's called The Problem with Worry. From Matthew chapter 6. I'm gonna preach it too. We're gonna shout and run around this place like crazy. Whenever God releases, ha, whenever God releases me. Why worry about something when God is already in control? Why stress about whatever it is you're stressing about when God says, I got it under control? You know, I like to. T- the way I think about it is, since I serve a God that never slumbers nor sleeps, I might as well get some sleep because there's no point in both of us not getting any sleep. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm too logical about this thing. The fact that God is in complete control. That means, you, your friends, you ought to be liberated as you walk out this door today. I don't care what your bank account looks like. God's in control. Now, that does not negate stewardship. I don't care what problem that you brought in here and that's going to meet you when you leave here. God is in control. I trust the hand of God. So then the preacher says, lastly, lastly, After we look at the the success of the wicked, the suffering of the righteous, and the sovereignty of God, he he says it again to us, finally, just savor the day. He, He says, what does he say there? Enjoy your drink. Eat your bread. Enjoy life. Otherwise, trying to figure out God will drive you nuts. He says, go ahead and do it. Why? Because God has already approved what you do. God's hand of favor is upon you enjoying what God has given you. Let your garments be always white. In other words, and let not oil be lacking on your head. In other words, he's he's just simply saying to us, Wearing white was something that you did because of festivity. Be festive. Celebrate. Enjoy. Let oil be on your head because in that hot climate, you'd get dry skin real easily. You got a party. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love. Enjoy your spouse <laughs> all the days of your vain life. <laughs> Work hard. Why? He says because what makes sense, we don't operate like that in this world. We live in an upside-down world. How do we know we live in an upside-down world? He says you've got to remember that the race is not always given to the swift nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, or riches to the intelligent, nor favor with those with knowledge. Time and chance happen to us all. So enjoy it. Stop worrying. Enjoy it. Wherever God has you in life, God, the, right, the preacher's word of wisdom to us is enjoy. Choose Joy. Choose joy. I don't have any more songs to sing, do I? If you are here today and you have not yet trusted in Jesus Christ, As your Lord and Savior, this issue of evil and suffering will drive you mad. And what the preacher says to us is that even the evil and suffering that exists is still under God's control. That God is in control even over the evil and the suffering. And the word to us today is to remember that God is going to make all things right when his son comes back. The second coming of Christ has been prophesied. And the reason we can trust in the second coming of Christ, that it will actually happen, is because we know the first coming of Christ happened. It prophesied, it happened. Second coming has been prophesied, and now we wait for it to happen. And now, Everybody's going to be before the judgment seat of Christ. He's either going to judge you based on your salvation, meaning that you have trusted in Jesus Christ and him alone to make you right with God. If you have, he's going to say, enter into my rest. Live with me forever and eternity. But if you have not yet trusted in Jesus Christ, and if you don't do it before you meet the judgment seat of Christ, He's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. And You will be eternally separated from God. And God's justice will be, will be delivered in hell. But to those of us who are trusting in Jesus Christ, in Him alone. When we get before the judgment seat of Christ, we don't do it from a we don't have to uh, 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 be ready for it from a place of fear, but we can approach that seat with joy, because He's not going to judge our soul. He's going to judge the works that we did here on earth. So, there there are those of us in here who know. That when we get before the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to say, come on. I've prepared for you this place. And I look forward to that day. But there are some when they get before the judgment seat of Christ, it brings tears to my eyes and it breaks my heart because they won't be able to enter into this rest with me. And so God has sent you here. He has sovereignly sent you here to the Bridge Church on this morning to hear this good news. That the way to be right with your maker, your creator is through Jesus Christ and him alone. Friends, why is it that Christians generally speaking, are not pulling out their hair if they have some. Why is it that most Christians, we're not completely losing our mind about the state of the world right now? Because we have a peace that the world doesn't have. When Jesus was getting ready to to leave this earth, he said, my peace I give to you. Not peace that the world gives. He, He says, I got a totally different kind of peace for you. And You can have that peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you are here today and you have not yet trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we ask for you to put your trust, your faith, all your confidence in Jesus Christ and Him alone. When you trust in Jesus Christ, you receive a totally new identity. It changes your worldview, your outlook on life when you have Jesus And that's why even in the midst of trial, tribulation, suffering, and evil, you can still have joy. Because now you look at the world differently. We like to say here at the British Church that we put on gospel lenses. We see the world differently. Let's stand. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're here today and you say, yes, I'm Brandon, I'm saved, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Are you then resting in the sovereignty of God? I just want us to think about the implications of what that means, that everything is under God's control. If there is one atom that exists that is not under God's control, God is now not God. Think about the implications of what that means for your life that God says whatever happens to you is in my hand and so as you leave here today the question is will you trust